One of my favorite things here at Crossroads Church has been our monthly family meal or fellowship meal when we go downstairs and we eat together and there's all the noise of people talking and as we're eating great food. Of course, before COVID, it was a potluck, which was always fun because people brought their best food. But imagine if we did that family meal, this potluck, and there was a group of people that they, you know, they kind of had it all together, and they would kind of go off over into the corner with their food, and they would eat their food, eat all of it, and not leave any to anyone else. And, and maybe there were some people who, you know, they didn't have as much, and maybe they weren't able to bring food to share, but they sat on the other side of the room with empty plates. Seems like stupid, right? That would never happen, especially would never happen here, but kind of this is what was happening in the church of Corinth. People were gathering for the Lord's meal, and they were gathering to meet their own needs and to gather with their own friends. Another reason that the church was divided. Our text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 17. And so you can turn in your Bibles to there, or you'll see the words up on the screen. The Apostle Paul says this, In the following directives I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have, been, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. To be honest with you, uh, the title of our message here today is a table. It's a place for all, but... I'm just not sure how Paul did it. I mean, think about this last year. I mean, we, Paul is pleading for the church to be in harmony, and there's these people who think they're all eloquent with their words, and so they think they're high and mighty, and they boast in themselves, and then they are divided over which church leader they should follow. Should it be Apollos or Cephas or, or Paul? I mean, who's the best leader and who, you know, this is who I follow, so they're the best. And there's division over sexual immorality that's going on in the church. And lawsuits, people are suing each other. And there's arguments of over whether it's better to be a celibate or to be married and Do you eat foods offered to idols or don't you? And what about my rights and freedoms? And why do I have to wear a veil? 
I mean, it, it seems like this goes on and on and on. Paul had arrived in Corinth and stayed there for 18 months. And in the 18 months he was there, he started this church. And then he goes on to continue his mission, which is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he went on, and as soon as he leaves, it seems like things begin to fall apart. The church begins to lose its focus and divide. The ironic thing is... This is pretty much normal behavior, normal behavior for us when we live according to the flesh. Remember, our main verse in this section of chapter 11 through 14 is 14.1, where Paul says, Pursue love, however, keep on eagerly seeking the things of the Spirit, and especially seek to be able to prophesy. We are to eagerly seek the things of the Spirit, not the things of the flesh. And Paul talks about what that looks like in chapter 3 where he talks about living by the spirits and he even says stop being a baby stop living by your natural man by your flesh live by the spirit in Colossians 3 we see the contrast between spirit and flesh where Paul lays out where he talks about in the beginning of chapter 3 he says put to death Sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desire and greed and lying and filthy language. Put those things to death. They're of the flesh and they divide. And he goes on in chapter 3 and he says, Clothe yourself then with patience and kindness and gentleness, and forgiveness, and bear with each other when people are going through difficult times, and forgive each other. Paul helps us to understand by showing us that everything revolves around bringing glory to God. When I live by the flesh, it's I'm glorifying me, I'm living by me, but when I put on this patience, kindness, gentleness, and forgiving, and all that kind of thing, that's, that's a reflection of God. It brings glory to God, and that really is the main thing. It's why in chapter 31, uh, verse 31 of 1 Corinthians, Paul let, said, Let the ones who boast, boast in the Lord. When I boast in the Lord, I bring glory to His name. That's why Paul says in 6.20, You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. And in 10.31, he says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do it for the glory of God. So here we are at our favorite church in Corinth, and we have another reason to divide. Paul has no praise for this church in this area. In verse 18, he says, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And I believe it. It's what you do. 
you always seem to find something to divide over. In verse 19, Paul gets a little sarcastic here. He says this, he says, No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So it, it's kind of it's like this. We divide, we draw a line in the sand and say, well, that may be you, but this is me, and I'm the one that's got it right. We do that about everything in our culture, whether it's political issues or, uh, I don't know, I, we divide. We put labels on each other. And we kind of look down on the other when we label. And sometimes it's because we want to feel like we have God's approval. Where it says the differences among you, in some translations it said factions. And this Greek word here for factions is heresis, which is where we get our word heresies from, ironically. It means people following their own belief system, their own tenets. And they're causing dissensions and divisions because of their belief. And I think Paul softens, or the NIV softens it too much by saying there have to be differences. I love the translations that there have to be factions because factions seem to give a harsher, there's divide. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here. And um, it's like Paul is saying, oh yes, I'm, I'm sure there are parties in your church, parties where the important people gather to themselves after all. You'll want to make sure you're really important and stand out, don't you? Isn't that what it's all about? I want people to see me. And so here they are, gathering for the Lord's meal. They're supposed to gather to bring glory and honor to God. And all they are is meeting their own needs. In verse 20, where it says it was called the Lord's meal, it literally means the meal that has to do with the Lord. That means the reason why they were gathering for this meal is to remember the Lord. And for the early church, the Lord's meal, and it's not like our communion where we have these little wafers... Tastes like cardboard. This was a meal where you sat down and ate together. But the reason why they were gathering is they were gathering as the body of Christ in fellowship to bring glory and honor to God. There was lots of symbolism in this meal. This meal would take place in homes, not in a church basement because they didn't have a church basement. And it was in their communities and there were special words that were said over the bread and the wine that we know about. It was a place for people to bond together around Jesus. 
But the problem is there was a social custom in that time that wealthy people who had the room, they, they would invite people over to their homes, especially people in need, because they wanted to show other people how generous they are, but they would at times put those people in a different room during the meal. So they sat in their room, their special room for them and their friends, and then they sometimes would put the poor people or the people in need in a different room. And it seems that some wealthy Christians were continuing this pattern by only including their friends, their wealthy friends. They were elevating themselves and their friends. They were showing everybody else that they were more important. By only eating with their wealthy friends and having the, the ones in need somewhere else, they were shaming the less fortunate. We'll invite you and give you food, but you're not good enough to sit with me. And by sitting with just their own friends... They were showing contempt for the church, the body of Christ. In verse 22, Paul says, you despise the church. You despise the body of Christ because you are shaming those who are less fortunate. You are despising the church because you're using this platform to advance your agenda, your social platform. So here's the church gathering together for the Lord's meal, and they were continuing to divide. Is Paul going to celebrate this? Absolutely not. Next week, I'm going to dive into a little deeper, verses 23 20 through 26, which talks about the, the Lord's Supper and the words we know that we do around communion, because we'll be having communion next week. And I, I, just a, a little sidebar, there's an amazing tie between communion and marriage betrothal and weddings, and we will be talking about that next week. But I want us to jump to verse 27 as we continue this conversation on how the church was causing a divide. Starting with verse 27 through 34, Paul says, So then, when whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if you were more discerning with regard to your, ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. 
So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who's hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. When I come, I'll give you further instructions. Seems pretty harsh statement, <laughs> you know? When, when you eat the Lord's meal in an other unworthy manner, it means you are sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Think about this, though. The flesh divides. The Spirit brings together. Christ's death and resurrection brings everyone together. If you were here at our Good Friday service this past year, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the cross up front on the floor, and during communion, people came forward and they had a chance to linger and we, we stood around the cross, and as I was prepping for Good Friday and seeing this cross here, and as I was watching what was unfolding that night, it dawned on me that the one place where everyone is equal is at the foot of the cross. There's nothing that divides same playing field is at the foot of the cross. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, Paul is able to say in Galatians 3.28 that there, in Christ there is no Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free, no male or female. So when we come together and break bread and remember what Jesus Christ has done, if we are divided in any reason, we are sinning against Christ and His death and His resurrection. We're saying, in essence, Jesus, what you did on the cross doesn't matter. Remember in John 17, Jesus' prayer. He prays to the Father that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So if we come to the table divided, we are communicating to the world that the words of Christ aren't powerful and true. So the question is, am I dividing the room? In verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul tells us to examine ourselves before you share in the bread and the cup. Because if you come before the table without examining yourself, you could bring judgment on yourself. Verse 29, Paul tells the church that those who eat and drink without discerning 
the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Who is the body of Christ? We are. Because we are one in this body, if I come to the table not one with my brothers and sisters in Christ, if I come with a divided heart, I impact the body of Christ. It is a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And then this judgment means we are being disciplined by the Lord. We don't like to talk about that when it comes to God because God is love and God is love. But as we all know, especially if you are parents, when you love someone like your children, sometimes you have to discipline them And Paul is saying here, when you come to the table divided and you sin against the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, God can pour judgment on you. He can discipline you and He often does because He desires a unified body. Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 says this, he says, Have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. We are to endure hardship and we are to recognize that sometimes hardship is discipline from the Lord. But let us remember that discipline from the Lord is good because it brings us back together. It brings healing. It brings restoration. It brings unity, which in turn brings glory to the name of God. And that is what it's all about. And then Paul says this crazy thing in verse 30. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Think about that. Sometimes, whatever the hardship we are going through, health, marriage, finances, whatever, it may be that God is disciplining you. Now, this isn't what it always is. We don't, you know, every time somebody's going through hardship, oh, they must be sinning. No, that's not what we do. But, but we have to recognize, because Paul tells us right here, that sometimes it is what happens. Because we are spirit, soul, and body. They're all intertwined together. So if our spirit is out aligned with Christ, it does impact our soul and our body. This is why, for me, chapter 14, verse 1 is so important. This is why we need to pursue love and earnestly desire the things of the Spirit, especially that you may prophesy it means that I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do 
for God's glory. Because I'm pursuing love and He is love. And I'm earnestly desiring the things of the Spirit. And He is Spirit. But let's the church know that one of the most crucial things, as I mentioned before, is examining yourself. Verse 21, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread. We need to ask ourselves, we need to ask the Spirit of God to reveal to us any area where we are divided, where we are dividing the room. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any way offensive in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When I divide the room, I sin against Christ and His cross. When I step forward and allow the Spirit to examine me, it brings healing and it brings wholeness. And so I need to ask God to search me. There's a long-held tradition within the church a spiritual discipline called examen. And in summary, how the examen works is this. First, you express at the end of the day, as you're crawling into bread, you express gratitude to God for all that He's done. You acknowledge your sins. You state the sins that you have committed in that day. You review your day with a heart of humility before the Lord. Reveal to me, test me, Know me. And then whenever the Spirit reveals any sin, you ask for forgiveness and you ask for grace to repent, to turn. For many people, this is a daily occurrence. And for many of us, we never examine ourselves. So in conclusion today, The church in Paul's day came to the table, the Lord's table, divided. They were focused on themselves. It did not promote unity in the body. It did not promote the victory that Christ gave. And so, there are some questions that I need to ask myself, and I want to invite you to ask yourself. The first question I would like you to ask is this. Am I dividing the room? Am I, by my actions, by myself, am I causing division in the body of Christ? Am I creating an environment where someone does not feel welcome in the room? The second question that I need to ask myself is this. Am I willing to ask God to search my heart? And the reason why you need to ask that question is because if you ask God to search your heart, He will and He will show you where you are out of line. He will, trust me.
Third question. If I'm going through a really tough time, have I asked God if he is disciplining me? That too is a hard question. And sometimes it's not super clear. Sometimes you, you might wonder, and, and this is why some, a lot of this stuff you can't do just individualistic. You, you need to be in relationship with other people. You need to be in the body. And you need to be in a place where if you're asking that question, God, is there something in my life that is causing discipline, causing this area to be really out of whack? Is there something that I need to repent for? And something may come to your mind, and, and it's important to have somebody to go to where you can go, hey, I've been wrestling with this. This has come to my mind. What do you think? Fourth question. Am I willing to forgive or ask for forgiveness? This is the final piece right here. Am I willing to go to somebody that I have created a divide with and say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Or... Is there somebody that has offended you, that hasn't come to you, and are you willing, even if they haven't come to you, are you willing to say, I forgive you? Forgiveness, repentance, confession are key to coming to the table where everyone is welcome. as you ask these questions, remember this. God loves you. God loves you with every part of his being. He desires to make you the man or woman he created you to be. He wants to mold you. He doesn't want to lead you where you're at. He wants to shape you to become who he has called you to be because he's got a plan for your life. And he wants, to use, he wants to empower you to do the work that God has called you to do. And he can't do that if there's sin and division in your life. You need to repent. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to come to the table in humility. And then remember that Jesus came to give life and to give it abundantly. Amen.